Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, of thy Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Today we are again thankful that God has given us yet one more day to worship Him and serve Him. Amen? Amen. Oftentimes in the Robinette house we will say this is the day that the Lord has made. We have come into this place to magnify the Lord and to worship Him, to lift up His name. God is great and he is greatly to be praised in all the earth. But sometimes when we come into the house of the Lord, that's not exactly how we feel, right? Sometimes we're tired. Sometimes we're stressed out. But it's time to lay all that aside. It's time to rest in him. The Bible says that there remains a rest for the people of God. That that rest, we, we've entered into that rest. We have ceased from our own works. Have we not been bought with a price? God's word tells us that our body is not our own and that we indeed have been bought by God and that we are to do what? What does it say? We are to glorify God with our our bodies. That's what we're here to do. We're here to raise our hands. We're here to sing. We're here to call on God. David commanded his body to obey. In Psalm 103, we greet every Lord's Day. We stand and we raise our hands and we sing the words from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all. Everybody say all. All All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, Who remedieth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful, he is gracious, he is slow to anger, and he is plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide. Neither will he keep his anger forever. And he has not dealt with us according to our sins or rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We hear this every week. We should know. We should be able to quote it. 
never to be remembered against us anymore. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Sometimes we need to remember that we're dust. Amen? For as the man is, his days are like grass. And as the flower of the field, he flourishes. For the wind passes over, Brother Steve, and it's gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto his children's children. To such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye angels, that excel in strength, that do his commands, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye hosts, ye ministers that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works and all his places of dominion. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Wow, I can't wait till we get to Psalm 103 when we memorize it. In fact, I think we should do it right now. (laughs) All right, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your beautiful word. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the word that sings in our hearts, the, the, the word that lifts us up, Lord, from the dust, Lord, that we would rather wallow in, the mud that we would make on our own, oh God, and you breathe into us your breath of life. You make us a living soul. We pray today, Lord God, as we would gather in your presence that you would forgive our sins. Lord, that you would have mercy upon us. Lord, that you would feed us for we are hungry and that you would change us, Lord, so that we might be more like you. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. standing for just a moment as I read to you my text from Psalm 25 verses 1 through 7. I'm going to preach the entire psalm today. My sermon today is called Unto Thee, O Lord. Psalm 25 starting in verse 1. Unto Thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in Thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumphed over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed, and let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy paths. Show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Lead me in the truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation, and thee, on thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would illuminate the word to all of us, that you would speak to us, that we would hear your voice and be transformed and changed by it as all of creation was when you spoke I pray, God, Lord, that we would be made more fit for heaven today, that we would be convicted of our sins, that we would flee them, that we would repent and confess them today and follow you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. When I, you may be seated. Uh, when I was a young man uh, growing up in church, we sang a song, and uh, it's real simple. You guys want to learn it real quick? Some of you know this already, but uh, I think this song will be a lot more meaningful for you, more, meaning, more meaningful for you after I preach the sermon. Um, but we're going to kind of go through it one time here, and it is a round. Everybody know what a round is? So the guys are going to sing first. They're going to say, unto thee, O Lord. And then the ladies are going to come in and they're going to say, unto thee, O Lord. And then the guys are going to say, do I lift up my soul? You, if you have this around here uh, with you, we printed out a bunch of these. We'll probably add this to our book of things that we sing. Um, not in, it won't look like this. It'll look like pretty, like Jonathan will make it look. Uh, somehow I can go around the world, Andy travel everywhere and I can't use a printer. It's, it's an amazing thing. I don't understand it. It's just, it's just, I don't know. All of us, all of there's all the people in my house. We can't figure out how to use a printer. It just won't work. Okay. So the song goes like this. You ready? Well, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul? Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul? Oh my God, oh my God, I trust in Thee. And let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. Verse 1 again. Unto Thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul? Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul? Oh my God, oh my God, I trust in thee. And let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that way. On thee be ashamed, yea, let none that way. On thee be ashamed, oh my God, oh my God, I trust in thee. And let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. Show me thy ways, Lord, teach me thy paths. Show me thy ways, Lord, teach me thy paths. Oh my God, oh my God, I trust in thee. And let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. Remember not the sins of my youth. Remember not the sins of my youth. Oh my God. Oh my God, I trust in Thee. 
let me not be ashamed, let not my enemy triumph over me. You kind of got it? Some of you were starting to sway. Marie's up in back. She's swaying with me now. All right. I know that's not really the kind of song we normally sing. It's straight from the Bible. It's a chorus. It's a prayer. And so we're going to sing it. Okay. Now, you may be seated singers. Thank you very, very much for your help. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he also created man. And in these six days of creation, we learn in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that after God made man of the dust of the earth, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, he became what? He became a... Oh, come on. Are you, are you... Wake up now. Right? God made man of the dust of the earth, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. When the Bible says this, and in the times that follow it where the soul is used... It is used to express the totality of a man, his entire being. We just heard this in our readings, that God delivered the law to Moses, right? And when he gave man the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, he said that these words that we have already heard of them in our Old Testament reading here, here's what he said. He says this in verse 1, now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might... Do them in the land, whether you go to possess it. Deuteronomy 6.2. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God and keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that thou may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee, in the land that flows with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy might. We also heard in our readings today from Matthew chapter 22, when Jesus was asked, he made it clear that one of the Ten Commandments was greater than the others. This is some kind of a conundrum, really, for our mind. All of God's commands are important. Everything that God says, we should take uh, in our minds with equal importance. But Jesus himself said that there is one command greater, right? Did they not ask and did he not answer? I'll read it for you. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Everybody say, with all my soul soul. and with all my mind. This is the first and great commandment. And he goes on. And he says that all of God's commands hinge on loving your neighbor and loving God with everything that you are. Psalm 25 begins with this phrase in verse 1. It says, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Here he willingly pours out his praise to God from an overflowing heart. God had made his cup to spill over in blessings before his enemies. In Psalm 23, right? His cup runs over like 
springs forth from a sweet spring of water from the depths of his love. David saying, unto thee, O Lord, he cries, do I lift up my soul, my entire being. Note the word O here, and we'll talk about this. The phrase, uh, or O Lord, or O God, we read this in the scriptures many times. And the interesting thing to me uh, is that there is no Hebrew word for it. And it's actually included in the Bible here, not as a word-for-word translation, but it is put there to convey something that the English language has. The English language has, oh, but Hebrew doesn't have that. So it's not inappropriate that William Tyndale or John Wycliffe or some of the other translators would put something like this in here because when you read the entirety of the psalm, you get more from the psalm than, Lord, you can have all my soul. What you get is, unto thee, O Lord. Can you feel it? You know, if you've ever had singing lessons, they would tell you that if you want to sing and you want people to hear you, and I know you guys can hear me from up here, right? I sing pretty loud, right? If you want to sing, then when you sing, you don't sing from like right here. You sing from here, okay? Oh my God, right? You know, you're singing from the depths of you. Now this happens also, not just when we sing, but when we mean something, right? It's almost like we have to gear up. We, we hear something and if, if something stirs you, it's like you go, well, what do you mean? Does anybody ever do this? You know, you're like, it's not just like, so what's going on? You know, when, when something stirs you at your very depth, there's a, there's an, oh, factor that comes out. What? You know, you get the phone call and someone's house burned down. Oh, my goodness. What happened? Oh, right. That's, that's what we have in our language. Oh, Lord, he cries. Do I lift up my soul, my entire being? I cannot count the times in my life that I've come to God with these very words. To say God is not the same as saying, oh, God. Oh, God is something we say in prayer, right? We've been confronted with the difficulty. We are just trying. We're at at the end of ourselves and we come before the Lord and and we kneel down and we don't just say, hey, God, what's happening? The Bible says that a fervent prayer avails much. What's a fervent prayer even? It's one that comes from your soul. Oh, God. Oh, God, touch my sister. Oh, God, Lord. Be with my wife. Oh, oh God, my child is, 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 is not following your word. Oh, Lord. Anybody ever pray like this? I mean, maybe you have to like grow up in a Pentecostal church to know you're supposed to do that. Try it sometime. Try it. Oh, try it. Oh, oh, God of heaven, my whole being cries out to you. Oh, Lord of heaven, hear my cry. This is the first note plucked by the psalmist as he sets the tone for the entire psalm. Unto thee do I lift up my soul to carry the weight of his words further. The translator includes yet another of these O's as he begins verse 2. Oh my God, I trust in thee. You see, when you read the psalm, you will see that this is exactly what's happening He's pouring out from the depth of his heart. 
his request to God. Oh, my God. I trust in thee, my sovereign, my Lord, Jehovah God. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. This, move past, this moves past the point of mere words or declaration into the music of a created being. All who live and breathe, all those whose nostrils are filled with the breath of God are like instruments waiting to be played. And as the very breath of God comes out of a man back to God who has filled him, melodies proceed from his being. Come on, guys. When the Lord has touched you, when he's blessed you with something good, when, when, when all is right in the world, as we, as we like to say, what comes out of our mouths? Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul, my God, oh my God, I trust in thee, and let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. That's what a psalm is. It's a cry from the heart. Are you crying out to God? Are you just trying to... Not break any of his rules. Do you love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind? Or are you just hoping not to get squashed? You know, the religion of animism and the religions of the world, they have this thing. They're just trying to get God to leave them alone. They don't want to be messed with. They just want to be happy. That's not, the, that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is that God loves us with an everlasting love. That he came and he embodied human flesh. And he took the stripes of Calvary and the pain of Golgotha. And who for the joy that was set before him endured it. Thinking of you, Luke. Thinking of me. Knowing that without him that we would die in our sins that hell would be our home and that we would be alienated from God from henceforth in eternity. And he said, no, not you. How can your soul not cry out to God in love? It is a command that is true, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that fills us, that command can be obeyed. Oh God, my God. I trust in thee and unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul, all of me. Here he declares where he places the weight of his life as he stands with his full body firmly planted on the God of heaven who cannot be moved. He is the rock that when we are built upon him, that no storm can shake our foundations. Amen. Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. As the apostle Paul said it best in Romans chapter five, starting in verse one, God is the giver of peace. And this peace that God brings comes many things with it. But among the greatest of the things that come with this peace is hope. And he further defines it when he says, but it's not just any kind of hope. It's hope that we will never be ashamed 
that we had. Brother Paul deals with people who put their hope in stocks, right? And bonds and investments. Are they sometimes ashamed? Have you been ashamed, Brother Paul, when you have? Maybe you're real smart about it, but I can imagine that you go, you know, I want to, I think that this is, this is going to do well. Maybe you don't do that kind of trading or whatever, but you know, this company is going to do good and, 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 and it looks like, oh, look, it's rising on the stock market. And I think I'm going to put something in that. And you get the news the next day that the CEO has made up everything. I, I was on the airplane and, and uh, I watched this video and it's amazing. It's, it's, it's an amazing swindle. I, don't, I can't remember what it was called. But this woman out in Silicon Valley, she knew, Andy, she knew how to talk the talk. And she told everyone she had invented this thing that you can test with a finger prick and you can test for every known disease or whatever. And they set this up and they put these things all over the country in, in stores, but it didn't work. They lost billions. It was amazing. It's an amazing story about this girl, just 20 some year old girl. Can you imagine people would follow her, but she knew how to talk the talk. Many things that we put our lives into and our trust in, they're going to disappoint us. Amen. David understood that trusting in God is not like trusting in men. Men, unlike God, are changeable, leaning on and trusting on the arms of flesh, the arms of men. And not on God is not only foolish, but it will bring a curse upon us. According to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse five, when you trust men and not God, God says, I am going to curse you. I've told you what to do in the word, but you don't live on that. You, you like to listen to the guy who's smart. You like to listen to the guy who tells you he knows better. I think it's an amazing thing that these smarty pants scientists, these important wealthy people, they get up and they talk and people hang on their words. And some of us do. What they say? What should we do? We should do it like them. And God is like, they're idiots. They're fools. They're grass. They'll fade. My word will not. You're a fool to put your trust in men and not in God. And not only are you a fool, but you will be cursed. Proverbs tells us that our flesh Our own flesh is included in that because oftentimes those of us who don't trust in others, we trust in ourselves more than we trust in anyone and oftentimes more than we trust in God. Proverbs 3, 5 says what? Trust in your pastor. He knows everything. Trust in your mom and dad. They're so smart. Trust in your president and government and trust in the scientists in the white robes that tell you that 600 million billion years. Did you guys read about this? They have figured out that Darwin may have been wrong. Isn't this amazing? Darwin may have been wrong when he thought that life formed in shallow puddles of water when lightning struck. I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm not a PhD. But we can recreate lightning, can't we, Andy? We can, like, make electricity. We could, we could get, I guarantee you they shock a puddle of water from now till Jesus comes back. And nothing's going to happen to it. <laughs> Chesterton used to make the joke. He would say, things that are completely and totally improbable and impossible are not more likely if given more time. But the world is so stupid, they can't believe in God because if they admit that he's there, what do they got to do? They got to obey him. 
And they don't want to do that. They think maybe it happened deep under the ocean as the hot water vents itself into the ocean. That's where they think it happened. Wow. No lightning there, though. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how it happened. Just because it was warm? Stuff, life might be growing in my bath. Probably is my bathtub. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Now, what's funny is we can laugh at them because they're idiots. Have you ever seen one cell? Have you ever seen one? Do you even, I just can't believe that any scientist doesn't just laugh at himself. One cell has to have the capability to have a language inside of it that can be read by other parts of the cell. So a language. Now, I'm only doing a little Bible translation here. If you don't have a language, letters don't just make up. They, they got, you have to have letters to make a language before you can have communication. But inside the cell, lightning struck and a chemical that could read a language of information to explain to it how to do blueprints in a cell to create another one was in there. That happened when lightning came. I mean, really? Man, I wish it worked like that at my house. Lightning strikes, and now I'm the greatest computer coder in the world, and I have the greatest code. The code that the, the greatest code that Stephen could make in his whole life is not even approach the coding of a human cell, right? Or a life cell. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. Man thinks he's so smart. He thinks he's so wise, but he's a fool. And we believe him. We're like, well, you know, they are scientists and they got carbon dating. And they, you know, they said there was, that, that there was really hot water. It's the hot water down there in the, and they were venting and life, you know, and you're like. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. God's word will tell you guys to do stuff. And what you will do is you will find out why you shouldn't do it. And you will reason this in your own reasonability. You'll go, well, that's not a good idea. I can't do that. How many of you have been confronted with something you know is right to do? And you go, well, I I can't do that. Well, probably happens every Sunday. Probably might happen every time you open your Bible. You see, God has us do things we don't want to do. Who in the world wants to walk by faith? I, wouldn't you rather know what's happening? Wouldn't it be better to just, you know what? I'm going to leave faith to these crazy guys. The Bible says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How do you have that kind of faith? By believing God more than you believe your own foolishness. We go, well, well, what, you know, we just can't do that. We've looked at it and it just, we just can't do that. I I know what it says. And and I think, you know what? I really think it's just, it's really was a long time ago when they wrote that. And now they didn't understand the way people live now. Now we've got the internet. Now we've got cell phones and now we've got electric cars and, 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 and solar power. I mean, God's word couldn't possibly, I mean, this is really advanced stuff here. Nothing that I mentioned or nothing invented by man approaches even the complexity of a paramecium, a one-celled organism. Oh my God, 
I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. He carries the sentiment into the next stanza contained in verse 3. He says, yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. You see, David is pronouncing a blessing. He's saying, Lord, don't make me ashamed. And he's saying, let none that wait on you. I want to wait on you and I don't want to be ashamed. But let none that wait on you be ashamed. He is pronouncing a blessing on those people who... Trust in him. But he pronounces a curse on them that don't. You might go, well, that's not nice. That's what God's word does. Deuteronomy 30. I've had it read here many times. Maybe you know it. He says, see, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. And that I commanded this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if your heart turns away so that you will not hear and shall be drawn away and you shall trust anyone or anything else, I denounce you that you shall surely perish that you will not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passes over the Jordan to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record against you today. Today I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that thou might live and your seed after you. And you say, well, what is that? God is telling you that he is cursing you. If you trust yourself, if you trust your own wisdom, If you do not look into the word of God and say, I want to obey it. I am a fool. I am an idiot. Trusting myself is nonsense. I'm going to look into his word and I'm going to conform my life to the image of God's commands. If you are not doing that, if that is not the pursuit of your life, you're a fool. And and you're a cursed fool. And you go, well, that's not nice. I thought we were all people of God and we're here in the building. We are. We don't want to be cursed like them. The Bible says that God had the carcasses of his elect people laying out in the wilderness and they never made it to the promised land because they did this kind of thing. God would show them that they could trust him. He brought their food every morning. He covered the sun for them. And yet what did they do? Would they trust him? No. And we can do just like that. And God says, okay, if you can't trust me, you're just going to have to perish and I'm going to find someone who will. You may get to go to heaven, but, but you're not representing me in the earth and you're not showing my goodness. I'm going to bring death upon you. And that, this, this, this pronouncement in Deuteronomy 30 wasn't for the heathen. It was for God's people. Today I set before you life and death. Trust me now, we don't have any children that have gone this way. But if you start running off and drinking and you know becoming an alcoholic or a drug addict, God probably will kill you. Why? God is not going to allow his people to live in sin. I can tell you right now, if I lived in a secret sin, if I decided to perpetrate a life, I would be shocked if God didn't kill me. Why? Well, he says he will. And some people just don't believe it. I do, and I'm thankful that I do. Verse 4, show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Can you see the opposite? I want, Lord, I want to trust in you. I want others to trust in you. I don't want to trust in myself. Show me your ways, Lord, teach me thy paths. This should be our prayer. Because there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of 
Proverbs 14, 12, the end thereof are the ways of death. And again, Proverbs 21, 2 says that everyone is right in whose eyes? In their, in their own eyes. Do you know, many of you are living in sins that you just need to repent of and forsake. But the problem is, is half of you don't know it. Sometimes I talk to my kids and, and I see some of the things that go on in our church and I'm like, don't they hear me every week in the pulpit? And they go, they're not hearing you, dad. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to use a microphone, Andy, from now. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to yell louder. Is that what you need? And you might go, Mark, what are you talking about? It is my job to call you to obey God's word and to warn you of the consequences that will come if you don't. This is what our constant plea should be. Lord, show me your paths. Teach me your ways. My ways aren't so good. Verse 5 continues, lead me in thy truth and teach me for thou art the God of my salvation. And on thee do I wait all the day. You hear his prayer? He's not saying that God's late. He's not saying that he's been forced to wait all day. He's saying that it is his constant prayer that he's waiting on God. He is saying, Lord, I'm right here. I don't want to move forward without you. I don't want to do this on my own. I don't want to figure this out myself. Lord, lead me in your path. Lord, teach me. I want to follow you. I'm not hanging on the words of those who think they're wise. I'm not satisfied with my own wisdom. I am waiting on God. As it reminds us in Isaiah chapter 40, hast thou not known? Verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he faints not, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. This portion of scripture in Isaiah 40 is reminding us that we get tired, that we're not constant, that our abilities are limited, but his are not. He giveth power to the faint and them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men, they shall utterly fall. What's he telling you? He's, all of the things that think they're strong, nobody thinks they're more strong than young men. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. I got this. This old preacher dude I'm living in, he doesn't know anything. I mean, he doesn't even know how to hang drywall properly. Yeah, but I know what the Bible says. I jokingly call them a bunch of heathens. You bunch of heathens better listen. You better listen, not because Pastor Mark is the wisest man, but because I'm going to point you to what God's word says. And that's where we all should run. They that wait upon the Lord, what will happen to them? They shall renew their strength. You want to be strong, Matt? You need to wait on God and say, God, give me your strength. Verse 6, remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies. Now, you'll see verse 6 and 7. He wants God to remember something, and he wants God not to remember something. Okay? Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. Here in the main body of the psalm, verses 6 through 18, David deals with his besetting sins, and he pleads for God not to remember them, but to remember that he's merciful. Okay? And David is, is calling on God and it's kind of like, you know, like your kid, hey, dad, nah, you're a good dad. You know, you're, they've wrecked the car, right? You know, Nevaeh has, you know, smashed up the car and she's like, you know, dad, you are a good dad. I mean, you know, you are, 
you've always been good, you know, and, and I need you to be good right now, you know, kind of a thing. And so David is coming. He's like, he's like, Lord, you've been good from everlasting. And I want you to remember your loving kindness and, and your tender mercies, God. Cause I'm a mess. And I've, you know, I came in the middle of the night after falling asleep and wrecking my car. And my dad just said, you all right? I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, go to bed. We'll look at it in the morning. I'm like, wow, that was great. Try that on. <laughs> David deals with his besetting sins. He pleads for God not to remember them, but to deliver him from them and to have mercy on him for them and to do this for the glory of God and not just because David wants to get away with something. He begins by asking God to remember his tender mercies for they have been ever of old. He knew the story of Nineveh. How that God, who these people were not even God's elect people, but he sent Jonah to them rather than just burning their city to the ground and killing them. Jonah knew what kind of God. I don't want to go there. What? Because God's kind. God's going to, they're going to repent and God's going to forgive him. And I want them to die like dogs. That's how we are. That's not how God is. He's sad because his little, you know, his little vine withers in the night. He doesn't have a, 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 a natural umbrella to cover up his little bald head. And he's like, can't you look down in the city? There's men and women and children. There's old men and babies and animals besides. And you don't care about them. Who do you care about, Jonah? Care about me. Care about yourself. Even Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't understand the tender mercies of God. I, I, if I was God, I certainly would not have talked to Abraham about my plans. And I certainly would not have agreed. But then again, God knew everything. But he did say, if there would be yet 10 righteous people. Just 10 righteous people in a city of vile nastiness. Like, I mean, I can't even read. You know, some people, they don't let their children read certain portions of the Bible. Uh, which I don't think is a good idea. But if you were going to not let them read a portion of the Bible. Um, this story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah is just about as bad as it gets. I won't even, I won't, you know the story, right? It's horrible. Yet God, in a city that stands outside the door demanding that men come out so that they can violate them. That God just doesn't burn it to the ground, but he negotiates, it seems, with Abraham. And if there were only ten he would let them live. That's a merciful God. And you know what's funny? We want God to show that kind of mercy to us, but we certainly don't want him to show that kind of mercy to other people. We want God to just wipe them out. So now in verse seven, the next verse, David gets specific. And it, I really felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to pause right here. And I warned the leadership team up here when I was going to do this. But in verse 7, he says, remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake. Now, if you are a youth, raise your hand. Most of our church is a youth, right? We are outnumbered greatly, Brother Jason, aren't we? The, there's just too many, there's just way, way, way more youth, okay? So... I'd like to focus on you. If, you're, if you are a youth, if you're a kid, will you listen to Pastor Mark for just a minute? 
The world's view of children is that when they're younger, they're more pure. They're untainted. How many of you know that's not true? You know, I remember Paul Washer telling the story about this little baby. He was trying to talk to this man. This baby's just, you know, going to town on the watch on his arm. And, and he looks over at the man. He said, you know, if that baby were bigger, he would kill you. And rip the arm off, rip the wash off your arm and walk away and not even think about you. Because that's where that baby was. He wants that watch. He's, and he's, you know, he doesn't understand. He's utterly and completely self-consumed. But some of you kids, you've grown up in this church, you know, you're not, you're not, you don't look like the world. And, and, and sometimes I think we get the idea that we're not like them. That we don't have sin in our lives. But I'll tell you right now. I, I, it's pretty obvious to me that you're pretty wretched in your sinfulness. And, and it's kind of like the kid who thinks he's hiding because he closes his eyes. Right, Heath? We talked about this. He closes his eyes. No one can see me now. Some of you, even in your teens, you're like this. You think no one is watching your wretched sinfulness? They can't see it. They, I got them fooled. They don't see me because my eyes are closed. And I say you... And not we, because I'm addressing you children. God sees your sins. You might have fallen prey to the deception of your own heart. And you might think that because you aren't living in the obvious filth of the world that so many of you are walking around. You see all these people out there that they're so gross and so sinful and so nasty. And probably even some of your parents perpetuate this nonsense by driving around in the car and going, Ooh, look at that person. Look how they dress. Ooh, look at them. Oh, please don't do that with your children. What you're doing is you're making your children twofold children of hell. Now, are they going to go to hell? No, they're just going to live like that until God takes them to heaven. I assure you, God does not look at you the way you do yourself. When you look at people and you make fun of them, children, God sees you. When you laugh at their body size or their ugly sin or, you know, their funny voice or whatever it is, we're falling short. We should see the world around us with the eyes of compassion and kindness and mercy. This is hard for anybody to do. Sometimes I, you know, I don't go to McDonald's very often, but Andrea likes to get, you know, this, it's like a 99 cent tea or whatever. And man, you talk about dregs of society. In the drive-through. And there's something in you that just wants you to go, Ugh. But you know what our hearts should do? Our hearts should go, oh God. Lord, thank you for bringing someone in my life to love me and to teach me. And, and Lord God, bring someone into their lives. Oh God, forgive them of their sins. Oh Lord, lead them in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Oh Lord. Folks, if we don't feel like that about the people in the world, they're not going to care what we have to say. Oh, people, if you understood how God saw you, we think you're, you think you're clean and you're fine and God's impressed with you. You don't look any different than that, you know, that, that lesbian in the drive-thru with her head shaved and, and, and those rings hanging out of her nose and the tattoo on her neck that, that makes you recoil. You're no different than that in the eyes of God. If he wanted to look at you, 
the way you are in your sin. The fact that he doesn't expel us and spew us out of his life is only by the mercy of the fact that we're covered and he can't see us. The Bible says that it is the righteousness of Christ that he sees. That we're covered in his blood. But underneath all of that are the piercings and the tattoos and the sin and the wretchedness. But we look in the mirror and we see what we think God is seeing. And we feel full of pride. Oh God, may we repent of this today. We've been given so much that we've become greedy and clamoring for more of the good life. Instead of becoming poor, by giving some of it away that others might live. The Bible says that Christ, who was rich, became poor. That we might become rich. Some of you don't want to give up an hour or a night or a day of your time because it's so good. You're so rich with it all that you just heap and more and more upon yourselves. My heart is saddened by the blatant sins of many of the children in this church that they do while feeling very good about themselves as though somehow they're pleasing God. Your very best efforts of righteousness, it says in Philippians 3, they are like used toilet paper. You say, oh, that's gross, Pastor Mark. Learn Greek. It's actually more gross than that, and I won't even get into that. But what it says in Philippians 3 is worse to me than used toilet paper. Now, I'm calling on you to repent today or face certain judgment from God. I'm not just going, your life will be so much better. What I'm saying is that if you want to live, you need to repent. Pastor Mark is not God, and I can see many of your sins from here, but what God sees, I can only imagine. Are you honoring your father and your mother or is your eye mocking at your dad and your mom? Are you loving your neighbors, your little brothers and sisters? Are you a despot over them when you've given authority over them? Do you treat them mercilessly and unkind? Are you too busy to spend a moment with them? Are you glad when good things happen in the lives of others or are you wondering why they haven't haven't happened to you? Are you suffering when your brothers and sisters in Christ suffer? God knows. And he's watching. David, aware of the many sins of his youth, asked God to remember instead. Don't remember my sins, Lord. But remember your mercy. Remember your kindness. God, indeed, do that. He will do that if you confess your sins today. There are some people that need to confess their sins. You know how a while back we had a, who are you? We confessed what we believed about God. Some of us need to confess who we are too. Who am I? I'm a wretched sinner. I'm a self-consumed person. I do not love my name. We don't just say this in our confession of sin so you can feel better. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. No, we have not. We don't even know their name. And the ones we do, our little brothers and sisters, we know their name, but we don't really care that much. I'm calling on you, people of God, children in this church, to find someone today and confess your sins rather than standing around trying to feel good about how modest you're dressed. Do as God's word says and confess and forsake your sins and Jesus will wash you in his blood. We will read through some of David's pleas for his own sins of his youth and beyond. 
Mom and dad, brothers and sisters, may this be our cry today. God's word says that judgment begins where? At the house of God. And that if we will judge ourselves, that we will not be judged of God. Who here today is content to stand in this church pretending that you have no sins? This church is no safe place to do that. And if you do know certain that you are sinning by your own declaration of your righteousness... And Romans 3.23 declares, there is none righteous, no, not one. In verse 8, he says, good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners the way. What sinners are you talking about, Steve? He's talking about himself. He said, don't remember my sins. Remember your loving kindness. Lord, lead me, guide me. I want to trust you. I want to... He will teach sinners the way. You know, God, I'm just not here to beat you up. God wants, God's got a better way. Our prayer today is that God would teach us sinners the real way of righteousness. Paul said in Philippians 3, he wanted to be righteous, but he did not want to have his own righteousness. The righteousness that says, look how good I am. Look what a good family I came from. That's what he says. He goes back. He said, if anybody had a reason to brag, I have more. I come from a better family. I have a better education. I've lived a more spotless life than any of you here. He said, but what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Why can't we do that? We like to brag about who we are and how clean living we are. And Paul said he wanted to be found not having his own righteousness, which is merely just the righteousness of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. May this be our prayer. And in verse 9, and have patience with me, okay? I'm not going to be here next week, so I'm just going to go ahead and just preach too. Is that okay? There's only 22 verses and I'm in 9, so just, I'm sorry. I'm not going to preach super long But I am going to finish this. So how do we begin our repentance? Verse 9, the meek he will guide in judgment and the meek he will teach his way. You see a word used twice? Everybody say meek. It's talking about humility. Humble us, Lord. Meekness is understanding who you are and who God is. He is strong and we are weak. He is great. We are small. We are not helping God. He is not coming alongside of us and making our lives a little bit better. We are dead in our sins and he is raising us up. We were once darkness, but now are we light in the Lord and we're to walk how? In his ways as children of light. In verse 10, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth and such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Are you merciful when it is up to you? When it is under your power to do so? Or are you harsh and judgmental of other sins? Mom and dad, your children are listening to you when you talk about people in your home. Are they hearing words of mercy? Do you care about truth or you just go by what you've heard? Oh, it matters so much. Mom and dad, you might never do these things in front of all of us, but when we hear it coming out of the mouths of your children, it isn't hard to figure out where they're getting it from. Put a muzzle on it. Your mouth, for the mouth we know of any man and woman, Who doesn't sin is a perfect mouth, is in fact not just a perfect mouth, but the whole perfect man. Those who let it spew forth sin will corrupt themselves and others and God will bring judgment to your house. He says in verse 11, do this for your namesake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity for it is great. What is David doing? 
He's singing in a song for all of Israel that his iniquities are great, that he is a sinner, that he's had sins from his youth, that he doesn't know the best way that he wants to know God's. David understood that doing this was not just getting him off the hook, but it was his life could bring glory to God. Do you want your life to bring glory to God or be a reason for the heathen to blaspheme? David was always worried. He's like, Lord, I don't want to give my enemies occasion to talk bad about you. And folks, people go, oh, those are Christian people. And they snarl because they should because you don't act like it. They know what you ought to act like even if they don't. Humility, the right view of ourselves is where repentance begins. And so let it begin today. Verse 12 tells us what our next step is. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. So it is humility and fear. If humility is how we begin then a proper view of God, the fear of God is what comes next. Seeing ourselves in sinfulness and then looking at the greatness of our God. On the very first verse we used to have our children memorize was from Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. I'll, I'll let my older kids, if they want to try to say it, say it with me. Ready? The fear of the Lord is the... The beginning of knowledge, but fools despise. Humility and fear of the Lord is how we repent. Psalm 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Humility and fear of the Lord is how we repent. And what do these things do? Verse 13 tells us, the man that does them, his soul shall dwell at ease. Have you, have you lost your peace? You should if you're living in sin and you're not confessing it and you continue in it. His seed shall inherit the earth. Verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. Everybody say yes indeed. indeed. If you saw my thing there's yes indeed with one explanation point. And then I get to the next one. It's yes indeed with two explanation points. And then yes indeed with three Ashley. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Yes Indeed, God is our salvation. He plucks us out of the net of others and even the nets that we make, Brother Luke, for ourselves. Verse 16, turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and I am afflicted. David humbles himself as we should and confesses his troubles. They come from his own weakness and his own foolishness, but he pleads for mercy Verse 17, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distress. Look upon my affliction and my pain and forgive all of my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many, for they that hate me with a cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Oh, he cries from the depth of his soul that he had said, Oh, my God, trust in thee and unto thee, oh, Lord. And he ends here in the psalm, Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not. Be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Not my integrity, not my uprightness. I am waiting on you, O God. All the earth is waiting on this. Amen. And in verse 2, he's saying it's not just for himself, but he says in verse 22... Redeem Israel, O God, out of all of his troubles too. You know, God calls us not only to deliver us, but he calls us to pray for the deliverance of others. And this is the final way we turn in repentance 
we think of others. Humility and fear and thinking of others. I pray today that somewhere along the line today that you'll find someone and you'll tell them who you are and you'll tell them what you are and it won't just be a show. But maybe as you do, you'll begin to see yourself more like God sees you and less like you've been trying to see yourself. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your power. But today we're thanking you mostly for your mercy, for your kindness, for your love. Lord, I pray that you would crush our pride. Lord, I pray that you would give us a renewed sense of the wisdom of the fear of the Lord. And I pray, God, it would turn our hearts to think of others and not only pray for our own deliverance, but the deliverance of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, be with us, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Lord, change us. Make us more like you today. And all God's people said, amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.